everybody, this is your host Michelle Ann Olson and this is Are You Afraid of the Bark, the podcast that goes bark in the night. Welcome to episode 5. Today we're going to be talking all about British ghost cats and the reason for this is pretty clear if you've been following my social media. Basically I've been binge watching Outlander and it is a sexy historical drama. I love it and I just have a particular interest in Great Britain this week, so I was able to find a surprising amount of British-specific ghost cat stories, and that's what I'm bringing to you this week, and I hope you enjoy it. So once again, my voice is at less than 100%. I'm hoping that this will cease to be an issue shortly. We have one more week of camp at the aquarium, and then it's back to normal. So hopefully my voice will be back to normal shortly as well. But you're going to have to deal with the raspiness for this episode and maybe next week's episode, and then hopefully everything can just go back to normal. I'm going to miss camp, so I'm going to miss my kids, but I'm also really looking forward to it. A friend of mine was asking the kinds of things that I have to yell at these kids, just to give an idea of why my voice is so hoarse. Nothing comes to mind in particular about what I'm yelling at them, except it's a lot of the question, like, why? Like, why? Why are you doing that? Like, why are you curled into a ball under the craft table right now? Or why are you standing on the water fountain? Why? Just why? A lot of that. Apart from that, it's a lot of pay attention, follow me, no, don't do that, where are you going, what are you doing? But again, mostly just asking like, why? Why? Why are you doing that right now? Because they're kids and sometimes they do things that don't make sense. So that's really where most of my vocal power has been going these days. That said, I did want to share this quick little story that I thought was adorable. We had one of our aquarists in our classroom with us, and he had brought a starfish for, or sorry, a sea star for the kids to learn about and to touch, and that was super cool. And he was explaining about the class of animal that star, sea stars, This is the new jargon for starfish because they're not really fish and I'm still getting used to it. Anyway, this Aquarius brought a sea star for the kids to touch and to learn about and was talking about other animals in the same class as sea stars. That class includes sea urchins, for example, and he was trying to get the third animal belonging to that class, trying to get the kids to put their finger on it. That's the sand dollar. He was saying... This third animal, some people might be on the beach and think that this is a loony, but they would be wrong because it's actually. And then this kid, like, his hands flew in the air and he had the answer and he was so certain and he just burst out, a toonie! And I don't know if that's as funny to you as it was to me, but I thought it was hilarious and that this kid was using his brain on like a whole other level. Anyway, so these kids make me laugh and they make me yell and I am going to miss doing camp. They're super smart. We get to do a lot of really cool things backstage, behind the scenes with the animals, but I'm really, 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 really looking forward to having my voice back and to just not cringing when I edit this podcast, or to cringing less, because the sound of my own voice is always cringy. So anyway, there's another apology 
we're almost there. Camp's almost over. Summer's almost over. And then my voice should be back to normal. Anyway, sorry, very long preamble, very long introduction. Didn't mean to ramble on like that. Before I continue with my stories of British ghost cats, I did want to thank everybody who went ahead and reviewed the podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much to everyone who took the time to leave either a starred review or a written review. You know who you are, and I just really appreciate it. And I've been seeing some just increased interaction with my social media stuff, my Twitter and Facebook, and just thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for listening. I love you very much. So let's get started with this first story from Great Britain, okay? Great Britain, Great British ghost cats? British ghost cats. English ghost cats. So in the early 20th century, early 1900s, a woman named Louise Marlowe was visiting her friend who lived in the town of Congleton, which is near Cheshire in England. They had rented two ponies and had gone out for the day to inspect the ruins of a nearby ancient abbey. They were close to the ruins, and the women suddenly noticed a large white cat sitting on a nearby column. And the cat was just gorgeous, quite big, beautiful white coat, had a very friendly air about him, and they were wondering whether he would let them pet him or not. But as they drew closer on their ponies, the cat suddenly jumped, and disappeared as though in thin air. So the area around them was flat, and the white cat had nowhere to hide, so it really did seem that he had disappeared. And obviously the two women found that strange. That same day, Louise Marlowe and her friend went to a small cafe uh, nearby for a cup of tea, and they were telling about their encounter to an elderly waitress. The waitress apparently said, "'You have arrived at the best time,' to see the ghost of the Congleton cat. The waitress claimed that she had lived in the area for about 50 years, and she remembered when the cat was still alive. It had belonged to one Miss Windus, who was the Abbey custodian. One day, the cat had not returned home, and Miss Windus was really worried that he had been bitten by a stray dog or had been hurt, that there was some sort of tragic reason for his not returning home. That evening, Miss Windus heard a familiar scratching at the door, so she opened it, and there was her beloved white cat sitting peacefully on the doorstep. But despite her begging the cat to come inside, the cat steadfastly refused to enter her home and stayed there on the step. A few moments later, he appeared to vanish before her very eyes. After this, the white cat would appear every night, not only to Miss Windus, but to her friends and other guests at the Abbey. Now, that loyalty is in and of itself noteworthy And it's sad that the cat did not seem able to enter her home ever again, though comforting perhaps that he continued to visit Miss Windus and the community. But there's an addendum to this story that is worth mentioning. The way in which the Congleton cat was said to disappear is evocative of another famous disappearing cat. And that cat is the Cheshire cat who appears in Alice in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll. So the Cheshire cat is described as, quote, disappearing very slowly, starting with the tip of the tail and ending with a smile, which remained for some time, although most of the cat was already gone. 
end quote. What's interesting to note is that the dates associated with the Congleton cat, the late 1800s, and the publishing of Alice in Wonderland, 1865, do seem to coincide. And Lewis Carroll was born in Daresbury in Cheshire, not far from Congleton, and probably would have heard the story of the Congleton ghost cat in his youth, if not having known someone who witnessed the haunting themselves. Now, we do know that Carroll had a keen interest in the paranormal himself. He joined the Society for Psychical Researchers when it was formed in 1882, and it could be that this local ghost story was the influence for his famous character. And so in local lore and maybe in literature, the Congleton cat, this beautiful white ghost cat, lives on well beyond his death. Let's switch gears and travel now to London, to All Hallows Church by the Tower, which is located on Byward Street in London, overlooking the Tower of London. Many years ago, the organist at All Hallows Church was known to be a lover of cats, and she herself had a pedigree Persian cat who she asked, be buried on consecrated ground when it died. When the cat died, the vicar would not allow the woman's request to be carried out and for an animal's mortal remains to be buried in the churchyard. So since that time, the cat has apparently been seen walking around the church. When someone spots it, they assume that it's a normal animal, beautiful, purebred cat, but following the cat never yields anything. The creature is most often found to have simply disappeared. Now, there's an interesting sort of side story to go along with the legacy of the organist and her beloved Persian. In the 1920s, a choir master and two choir boys were at the church to rehearse one evening a few days before Christmas. So they had been singing for, you know, they had been practicing, they had been distracted and in song when they noticed an old lady standing a few feet away from them. She looked very corporeal. They had no reason to suspect anything otherwise. So the boys walked over and placed a chair for her to sit on. The woman nodded and then sat down. The choir master later recalled that she was dressed in old-fashioned clothing. Her hair was gray and her face had sallow features, but she also had this intent look in her eyes as she listened to the music. It was a look of just joy to hear the choir master and choir boys rehearse. Quote, they seemed to burn with a strange radiance and were fixed on my face as if eagerly searching for something or as if fascinated by our music. End quote. So the choir master was a bit mystified as they continued to rehearse. He remembered locking the door when they had entered the space, so how could this woman have even gotten inside? How was she able to approach the rehearsal hall without any sound? He hadn't heard any footsteps, and certainly the church floorboards and cobblestone tended to creak and groan when anybody walked across them. Then, as the practice ended, the visitor vanished without a trace. When she did, a strange scratching noise was heard from the corner of the room, quote, as if a cat was in the building and trying to get out, end quote. Then one of the boys cried out, There it is, sir! I saw a cat rush out of the room and go down towards the south aisle. They searched the church, but could find no trace of either the woman or the cat. When the choir master left the building that night, he noted that the entrance was indeed 
locked from the inside so a few years later the choir master was standing at church on sunday morning when an old man approached and told him that he thought he knew the identity of the old woman i presume that this story had been told and retold by this time the old man explained how about sixty years previously he had been a choir boy at the church and that a somewhat eccentric lady organist had led the choir in those days she was passionately fond of cats Quote, cats used to follow her about even in the streets she used to give me pocket money for feeding them regularly she was quite gone on carols and used to take us boys through the city lanes singing them as well as in church End quote. so perhaps the all hallows church is haunted not just by the ghost of this organist persian who unfortunately was never properly buried as per her wishes Perhaps the church is haunted by the owner herself, who so loved cats that she might even be strangely associated with them in death. It's nice to think that maybe she's been reunited with the animals she so loved during her life and is even still able to enjoy sort of the religious music that she lived for in life as well. I don't necessarily see those hauntings as frightening or sad. There's something a little bit more comforting about them. My last story is less about ghost cats and more about an ongoing mystery in Great Britain. And this is the mystery, or some might even say conspiracy theory, of what are known as ABCs, alien or anomalous big cats. So apparently there are many, many, many reports and incidents of big cats not native to Britain but supposed to inhabit the British countryside. So these sightings are reported as everything from panthers to pumas or simply big black cats. According to experts, the existence of a population of true big cats in Britain, especially a population able to breed and perpetuate itself, is believed to be highly implausible. There's no convincing evidence in the eyes of scientists. So there have been some incidents of individual animals, so medium-sized species such as the Eurasian lynx, apparently also a puma captured alive in Scotland, but those are mostly believed to have been escaped or released pets that had been held illegally, pets who might have been purchased at a young age and then released into the wild or who escaped into the wild once they grew and became less manageable in a domestic setting. Another theory behind the multiple incidents, sightings of ABCs could be explained away by the fact that the sightings often take place at a distance and that people could simply be like misremembering or exaggerating the size of large domestic species at a distance such as Maine Coons. I don't know if you've ever seen a purebred Maine Coon, but they can be pretty big. Not as big as a tiger or a puma or a panther, but at a distance, the theory is that the mind is extrapolating what it's seeing and coming up with these sightings, these reports of big, big cats in Britain where they shouldn't be. So there is another theory that's less well-regarded, that these felines have been native to Britain since the Ice Age and have been living secretly in secluded areas associated with fleeting sightings, the disappearance of farm animals, 
but a lot of the photographs of big cats that have come to light over the years have been proven hoaxes or false alarms. So apparently some of these sightings can be traced back to cardboard cutouts, soft toys, and again, large domestic cats. There have been several credible sightings of anomalous big cats after the passing of the 1976 Dangerous Wild Animals Act, which led to the illegal release of wild cats being kept as unlicensed pets, or which had been used to breed exotic domestic variations of cats. So immediately following the passing of that law, there were a few well-known sightings that might have been more legitimate. Here are some of those, those sightings. Real lynx have been found in Northern Ireland as recently as 1996, in Suffolk in 1991, and London in 2001. A puma captured in Scotland around 1980, previously mentioned, and a leopard was shot on the Isle of Wight in 1993. In the 1980s, a jungle cat was found dead on the roadside in Shropshire, and people worried that it may have mated with domestic cats in the area, creating new, more exotic breeds of domestics in the area. So these so-called sightings of ABCs have led to, although they're not exactly paranormal, led to these local legends of big cats that stalk or haunt particular areas in Britain. There was the Beast of Exmoor, who was apparently brought into existence in the 1980s after a notable loss of livestock, and apparently Royal Marine snipers were sent in search of the cat that was suspected to be the cause of these disappearances, but they came up with nothing. Those rumors were found to be unsubstantiated. But in that area, 30 years later, the beast is still considered a legend and is told in the lore of the area. Then there's the story of the Beast of Bodmin Moor, which hit newsstands in 1983. It's described as, quote, dark and panther-like, end quote, and takes livestock as prey, between three and five feet long. There's a 20-second video released in 1998 that clearly shows a black cat-like creature roaming in the heather, and farmers claim that this beast has a, quote, foul scream like a woman's, end quote. And if you really don't want to sleep tonight, I recommend looking up on YouTube the screams of big cats like lynx or panthers. They do very much sound like human screams. Very disconcerting. So I'll leave you with that question of whether these sightings are fueled purely by overactive imaginations or whether there's something more to them. Maybe, maybe there's a whole species of big cat just waiting to be discovered in Britain, though where it's been hiding all this time, I mean, that's kind of the question, isn't it? And that is what I have for you this week concerning some of the ghost or paranormal cats of Great Britain. I'm going to head back to my couch and turn on my Netflix and watch some more Outlander and dream of visiting some of these locations for myself one day. In the meantime, if you have any feedback about this episode or any aspect of the podcast, feel free to reach out to me by email at afraidofthebarkpodcast.gmail.com on Facebook at A-Y-A-O-T-B podcast, on Instagram at Afraid of the Bark podcast, and on Twitter at Afraid of the Bark. 
Thank you very much, as always, for listening. It means the world to me. If you've been captivated by a subject or a place and there's something that you'd like me to explore on this podcast, feel free to drop me a line and let me know. I'm open to suggestions. And if you have any stories of your own encounters with strange or paranormal animals, please feel free to reach out to me about that as well. I'd like to hear what you think and what you've experienced and just incorporate you into this podcast as much as I can. Thank you again for listening. I look forward to having you as an audience again next week. And until then, I will simply wish you, as I always do, Sweet dreams tonight. Ha ha ha!